Munaya Uchuhu. The great sages said, the who? Bam, you too. Iha, in Vaikunta, Itya, having attained Bhagavad, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Paricharyaya, by the service. Uchai, having been developed by past pious actions. Tadarminam, of the devotees. Nivasatam, dwelling in Vaikuntha. Vishamaha, discordant. Sabhavaha, mentality. Tosmin, in the Supreme Lord. Prashanta Purushe, without anxieties. Gatavigrahi, without any enemy. Vam, of you too. Baha, who? Ba, or. Atmavut, like yourselves. Kuhakayaho, maintaining duplicity. Parishankaniyaho, not becoming trustworthy. Translation and purport by the great savior of the modern world, his divine grace, Srila Prabhupada. The sages said, who are these two persons who have developed such a discordant mentality, even though they are posted in the service of the Lord in the highest position and are expected to have developed the same qualities as the Lord? How are these two persons living in Vaikuntha? Where is the possibility of an enemies coming into this kingdom of God? The Supreme Personality of Godhead has no enemy. Who could be envious of him? Probably these two persons are impostors. Therefore, they suspect others to be like themselves. Please repeat. The sages said, Who are these two persons who have developed such a discordant mentality? Even though they are posted in the service of the Lord, in the highest position, and are expected to have developed the same qualities as the Lord. How are these two persons living in Vaikuntha? Where is the possibility of an enemies coming into this kingdom of God? The Supreme Personality of Godhead has no enemy. Who could be envious of him? Probably these two persons are impostors. Therefore, they suspect others to be like themselves. Srila Prabhupada's purport. The difference between the inhabitants of a Vaikuntha planet and those of a material planet is that in Vaikuntha all the residents engage in the service of the Lord himself, and are equipped with all his good qualities. 
It has been analyzed by great personalities that when a conditioned soul is liberated and becomes a devotee, about 79% of all the good qualities of the Lord develop in his person. Therefore, in the Vaikuntha world, there is no question of enmity between the Lord and the residents. Here in this material world, the citizens may be inimical to the chief executives or heads of state, but in Vaikuntha there is no such mentality. One is not allowed to enter Vaikuntha unless he has completely developed the good qualities. The basic principle of goodness is to accept subordination to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The sages, therefore, were surprised to see that the two doormen who checked them from entering the palace were not exactly like the residents of Vaikuntha Loka. It may be said that a doorman's duty is to determine who should be allowed to enter the palace and who should not. But that is not relevant in this matter because no one is allowed to enter the Vaikuntha planets unless he has developed 100% his mentality of devotional service to the Supreme Lord. No enemy of the Lord can enter Vaikuntha Loka. The Kumaras concluded that the only reason for the Dormans checking them was that the Dormans themselves were imposters. Munia u chahu, koba mi haiti bogawat paricharya yo chais. Tadharminam na visatav vishamak sobhava. Tasmin prashanta purushe gata vigrahe ba. Kovat mavat kuhakayo parishankani yaha. The sages said, Who are these two persons who have developed such a discordant mentality? Even though they are posted in the service of the Lord in the highest position and are expected to have developed the same qualities as the Lord. How are these two persons living in Vaikuntha? Where is the possibility of an enemy's coming into this kingdom of God? The Supreme Personality of Godhead has no enemy. Who could be envious of him? Probably these two persons are impostors. Therefore, they suspect others to be like themselves. This would be the original customer service complaint in the history of the universe. <clears throat> and most unexpected and inappropriate for something like this to happen in Vaikuntha. Because in Vaikuntha, everybody is really cool. And here the Dormant are being really uncool. And toward the Kumaras, who are highly qualified, spiritually realized personalities, although they're actually not quite devotees yet, but they will be in just a few verses when the Lord arrives on the scene and they smell the aroma of the Tulsi leaves that have been offered to the lotus feet of the Lord and they become transformed from Brahmavadis into uh, Bhaktas, devotees of the Lord. But I'm getting a little ahead of the narrative here. I don't want to do that too much, but it's very interesting. So they were a little bit surprised at these two gatekeepers, Jai and Vijay, stopping them because 
Why would they be stopping anyone? Because no one can get into Vaikuntha who is not fit to go there. You can't get there unless you're already qualified. Uh, so why would there be any problem? Why would they be stopping before Kumaras? So it must be some kind of pastime of the Lord for them to be influenced by the yoga maya energy of the Lord and act in this way. That is the only explanation. Otherwise, how could such a thing happen in Vaikuntha? Who are these two gatekeepers and why have they stopped us? So they're becoming a little indignant, and therefore they're going to curse them, as we'll see, to take birth uh, as enemies of the Lord because of the way they're acting. So they use this term here, Vishamasvabhava. How is it that they have, how is it possible for anyone in the spiritual world to be Vishamasvabhava, to have a discordant mentality, to be disagreeable? Now, in the material world, there is no surprise there. Although, even in customer service, uh, the representatives are trained to be uh, accommodating towards the irate and dissatisfied customers. But in Vaikuntha, you don't have this type of uh, relativistic situation developed ordinarily. So this is a very unusual and unique case that we've never heard of any other description like this, except for in this one case. Again, it is the pastime of the Lord. Why is that? Because he likes to come down to the material world and fight, but he just doesn't want to fight with any old rascal. No, he likes to fight with his devotees who play the part of the demons. So that is the Lord's Leela. That's how he likes to fight, because he likes to have pastimes with his devotees. So he wants to get to a good, he's itching for a good fight because he's uh, the unlimited personality of Godhead who has all kinds of desires. Although he doesn't, he's not subject to uh, being pushed by material desire like is our experience in life. We're pushed by desire, lust, anger, greed, madness. Anxiety, illusion, envy. We're pushed by all these things, pushed around. We think we're tough and we're being pushed around by all these forces that are greater than ourselves. But the Lord is not like that because he is the owner, and the controller, and the possessor of all these different energies. But he engages them as he likes in his own pastime. So sometimes he likes to fight. He likes to get angry and fight some demon. Have a good old time, pick some demon's butt, and uh, relish the rasa, the chivalrous rasa, the, like that. So uh, that is the Lord because he is completely free. He's Yogeshwara, Ishwara Paramakrishna. He's the supreme controller of anything and everything and of all energies. He's the master of all mystic powers. So he can just do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants. 
there's no limit to his desires and there's no limit to how he can carry them out because he controls and owns everything. So that is the position of the Lord. But this is much different than our position. Although we would like to have that type of freedom that the Lord has. <coughs> Indeed, we become very envious of the Lord uh, because he can do whatever he wants and we can't. And when we try to do whatever we want, then we run up against so many uh, restrictions and controls imposed upon us from without. But the real freedom of the living entity lies not in trying to imitate the Lord who can do anything and everything, but the real freedom of the living entity is achieved when he surrenders himself at the lotus feet of the Lord and then he does whatever the Lord wants him to do. And then he receives a type of freedom to act in ways to serve the Lord without restriction. That is the only type of freedom that one can really have. There is a purport in the Bhagavatam, where I believe it's in the fourth canon, where Srila Prabhupada writes that the living entity is free to do whatever he likes. He can stay in this material world, which means to suffer under the trident of Durga, just like we were hearing in the class yesterday from Vaisheshika. And Durga has this trident of the threefold miseries, Adi Daivaka, Adi Bodhika, Adi Kleshika. And she's poking the living entity uh, and making him suffer in so many ways. Uh, because he has rebelled against the authority of the Lord. Therefore, the living entity becomes under the control of the Lord's agent, the material energy. And she punishes us very expertly in so many ways. And everyone in the world is so frustrated from being punished and being kicked around like this. Um, we're humiliated by the superior power of Daiva in the form of the material energy. And we're not really digging it because we're impeded from enjoying in so many ways. And because our goal as a living entity is anandamaya vyasa, to uh, be fully engaged in enjoyment or happiness. But that happiness is only found in the service of the Lord. That is the secret to happiness. When one tries to please himself, then he suffers. When one tries to please the Lord, then one enjoys. That is the secret. So we've just misunderstood how, what is the proper scientific process to become happy. And the whole world is under the spell of Maya, misunderstanding. It is a type of ignorance, it's a lack of education. Therefore, the Krishna Consciousness Movement is here to educate people into this technique of spiritual life and thus providing the real understanding of how to become happy and what is that actual happiness. Not enjoyment of the senses, not selfishness, but selflessness, just like John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you. 
but ask what you can do for your country. So that's a famous line. He was extolling Americans to a higher, attempting anyway, a higher level of consciousness. Not to be selfish and just take, 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 but to give. So ask not what God can do for you. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive horses. I must make amends. Worked hard all my life. I forget the rest of it. The song, the real popular song when I was a young man on the radio by Janis Joplin. Asking God, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's all for me. But rather, we should be asking God, oh my Lord, I'm so fallen. How can I, please engage me in your service. Let me serve you. And then that is the key to the path of happiness. It's actually a very easy to grasp concept. It is not that difficult to understand the concept. But one is determined not to engage in this type of consciousness because one thinks I'm the enjoyer. I just saw I, there's this Arizona India Times newspaper that comes and it's just the right size and when I shave my head, it covers the scene. So, otherwise it doesn't have much value. <laughs> so far as I can tell, there was something in there I saw. It was a, they were reviewing a book by some idiot who was um, trying to deny the existence of God and say the cause of all evil was religion. So he's covered by the illusory energy. He has no idea that there's something greater than himself. He just thinks it's all for me. We have referred to this shloka before that was popular on TV in the late 1960s. You only go round once in life. So you gotta grab for all the gusto you can. That's, that's the beer commercial that is the, it is the, uh, Philosophy of the conditioned soul. There is no tomorrow. There is no next life. There is no responsibility. There is no reaction. He who dies with the most toys wins. So people think like this. In the popular conception, that's the only reality. And when Srila Prabhupada went to Moscow and he was able to speak with uh, Professor Kotowski in the Russian Academy of Sciences, and he was the religion professor. And he said, there is, Professor Kotowski, there is no next life. There is no God. And Prabhupada said, he's, he's an educated man, and he's speaking like this, and he's a rascal, he's a fool, posing as an educated man, giving knowledge to society. He doesn't know how to get to first base. He doesn't even know the basics. He thinks he's his body and that there is nothing beyond this life. And the purpose of life is simply to enjoy. There is no God. There is no accountability. No. Because people want to enjoy so much, they make up these foolish, nonsense, illogical, untrue, rascal philosophies that are motivated by sense gratification, 
just to justify their program of enjoyment. And the whole world is going on under the spell of Maya like this. But the one place you can get the education to understand that this body is not me. I'm the eternal spirit soul. And my real position is to love and serve the Supreme. Then I'll actually become happy. That education you can only get in the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. That you will find here. So at least there's one place to go. But not everyone is going. And therefore everyone is suffering. Because of this <coughs> profound ignorance. So the Kumars were surprised that how is it that these gatekeepers don't have all the good qualities of the residents of Vaikuntha? So in the fifth canto, it is stated that Yasyastya Bhakti Bhagavati Yakinchana Sivarganas Tatra Samasate Siraha Harava Bhaktasya Kato Mahatmuna Manoratinasati Dhamatavi. That those who are devotees, Yasyastya Bhakti Bhagavati who are practicing Bhagavad Bhakti, devotion to the Lord, who is Bhagavan, and the act of serving him is Bhakti, Savarganais Tatra Samasatesana. Automatically, such persons develop all the good qualities that are present in the demigods. Samasate Suraha. Suraha means the demigods. And what about those who are not devotees? Harav abhaktasya, abhaktasya, hari. Those who are not devotees of God, kato maharguna, even though they may appear to be, have so many good qualities, maharguna, manoratenasatidavatobahi, actually they don't have any good qualities at all. Because manorata, manoratenasatidavatobahi, manorata means the chariot, rata. Manarata, they're riding along full speed on the chariot of the mind. Manarata. And they're being carried away by the mind and the senses. And therefore their vision is limited only to bahi, that which is external. Bahi. Like we say, Bahir Nasingha. The Lord Nishinga, He's everywhere. He's outside of everything. And He's also in your heart. So He's inside and He's outside. That is the amazing thing about Lord Nishinga that Hiranyakashipu could not understand. Is God in the pillar? Of course, He's not in the pillar. And Prabhupada said, Yes, He's in the pillar. He's everywhere. Bahira Nisingho, Ridae Nisingho. He's inside, he's outside, he's everywhere. And Hiranyakashipu, in great anger, smashed his mighty sword against the pillar. And then the Lord burst forth from the pillar. Oh no, he is in the pillar. <laughs> and he's bad. <laughs> Lord Nisingho is so fierce. He's like the personification of terror and fearfulness. 
The Hiranyakashi Pooh, he knew, oh, this is Vishnu, he's come to kill me. He immediately knew what was going on. And he began to fight with the Lord, but the Lord is laughing. <laughs> this giant, shrill laughter that was so fearful. And his razor-sharp teeth and his tongue and his fearful countenance. And the Hiranyakashi Pooh was fighting. He had to close his eyes. They couldn't even look at him. He was so terror in, uh, filled that it was just, he was incapable of even gazing upon him. He couldn't even look at him. And he's fighting him with his eyes closed. So fearful was the Lord. So Bahi, Dabato Bahi. Because one is riding the chariot of the mind, riding along, and he only sees that which is external. He doesn't see who he really is. He doesn't understand God. He writes books that says there's no God and religion is the cause of all evil and killing. Because he's just like this. I see everything now. Everything is very clear. I will write a book and make up my own nonsense philosophy, even though I'm blind and I can't see anything. And I will describe everything. And he can't see anything. His eyes are covered. So this is going on. Icha dvesha samutena, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, 7th chapter. Dvanda mohina bhanata. All the living entities who have taken shelter in the material world, all the conditioned souls, each dvesha, they are born into this uh, dvandva mohena bhanata. Dvandva mohena. Dwanda means a duality of icha and dvesha. Icha means desire, the desire to enjoy or be God. And icha dvesha, envy. Everyone is envious of everyone else. You do something, you have some little success, your neighbors become envious. Oh, your house is nicer than mine. Oh, they got a new car. See, they, the wife tells the husband, you know, they got a new car, it's better than our car. Go out and work harder, we have to have a car like that. I can't stand that they have a car better than our car. We are better than them, we need a better car. What can he do? He has to buy a new car. He cannot say, no, our car is just fine. We're saving money. For our retirement. No, buy a new car. So, each dvesha samutena, and ultimately, that each of that desire to enjoy is a transformation of what was originally the desire to love Krishna, and that that love for Krishna becomes lost in the fog of material existence. And it turns into desire to enjoy for myself. But when we learn the art of Krishna consciousness, then we learn to once again learn to direct our love and our desire to the Lord and His service. And then that envious desire to enjoy or be God, it falls away, it dissolves. And what is left is the real condition, which is that love that we have for Krishna. The two are directly related to one another. It's our love of Krishna that's turned into our lust to enjoy this world. So we learn this process to awaken our love for Krishna by chanting the holy name, which Chaito Darpana Marjana, 
it, it clears off the covering so we can see what's really there. I have this mirror, my tea-like mirror, sitting on the dresser. And after a while, it gets dust on it. And it gets harder and harder to see to put on the tea lights. Like, what happened to the light in here? Then I take the rag and wipe the mirror. All of a sudden, it's clear again. Oh, I can see. So that's Chaito Darkwood and Marginal. Cleaning that obscuring film of the material energy that covers the soul away and then revealing the real true nature of the beautiful soul who is beautiful when situated in that love of Krishna. And that brings out all the good qualities. Prophet says 79%, according to the Acharyas, of the Lord's good qualities uh, become manifest in the person of the devotee. So in the Vaikuntha, everybody's like that. Everybody's 79% or above. You can't get there unless you're 79%. So it's the 79% club, the spiritual world. I'm going to stop there quickly. I would just like to say a few things about Srila Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj, a great sadhu and devotee who appeared in our Gaudiya Disciplic Succession, coming a couple generations from Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur and Baladeva Jibhushan, great devotees. He appeared around the year 1800 or so, his exact birth year is not known. Um, and he was also an associate of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Um, and he lived for many years in Vrindavan and was respected by all the uh, Vaishnavas of Vrindavan as a great, great Vaishnava, venerable Vaishnava, who was very much enriched with love of Krishna. And when Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur came to understand through his historical research that the town of Nabadweep, which is today's present town, was only about 100 years old at that time in the 1800s, during the 19th century. And he began to suspect that this is not the birthplace of Lord Chaitanya, as they were claiming and advertising and collecting donations for their temples there. And then he came to find this place in Mayapur, where there was some mounds covered with Tulsi plants. And one night from his house in Godunadweep, which is right across the Jalangi River, Khan Mayapur property, he saw a light at late at night, a light in the sky. There was no electricity at the time in India. And he realized something's happening over here. So he got some old maps, consulted the sadhus, and it appeared that perhaps this was the real yoga peat. So he took Jagannath Das Babaji, who was at the time very old, and he was he did not walk around because he was invalid and very, very aged. He lived well over a hundred years. And he was carried around in a basket, like a, a reed basket, a woven reed basket, by his servant, whose name was Bihari Law. Big strong guy. We carry him around and they, they brought him, Bhaktivinoda Thakur brought him to this place. And the local Muslim landowners were all afraid of this place. They wouldn't go there. There are ghosts there. Bye -bye. 
And then he asked Babaji Maharaj, is this the place? Is this the actual place? I think this is the place. Well, I want to consult you, Babaji Maharaj, because you're a great devotee. And he jumped up out of the basket and began dancing, although he couldn't walk. Began dancing. Haribo, Goranga, Goranga, Haribo. This is the place. Confirmed. So that is the pastime of Babaji Maharaj, Jagannath Das Babaji. He requested Bhaktivinoda Thakur to build a little kutir, a hut on his property where devotees would come and stay. Sometimes the work to Das Babaji Maharaj would come there and stay. Uh, so um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur took shelter of the guidance and association of Jagannath Das Babaji. We can understand what a great personality he is. Giving guidance and instruction to none other than the seventh Goswami Sri Bhaktivinoda Thakur. That's just a little bit about him. So we'll stop here. Um, the fourth is, they were in before they went on? Brahma Vadis. So, so, but not Mayavadis. They were Brahman realized, but they hadn't taken, gone to the next level to become the Bhaktas. But they were qualified. They weren't offenders. They weren't Mayavadis. Right. They weren't Aparadis. They were just impersonally realized, Brahman realized. Yeah, how does that work? Is, they mentioned the, the Lord. So many times in that church. Is this a philosophical understanding they have? It's beyond philosophical. It's real, in, internal realized knowledge. The limit of their realization was Brahman. And they just needed to take one more step to become devotees, which they will. In a few verses. <laughs> Someone's going to get lucky and get that verse. Tasyana that they smelled the Tulsi leaves from the lowest feet of the Lord and they became transformed just like that into great Vaishnavas. They were 99% of the way there. Anyone else? Really? I, was, I was just thinking about how you were talking about like we have this in the, in the material world about turns into last, right? It's like this distorted image right. of, of uh, of our love for God, and you can see how how powerful you know this lust is in, in, in a condition. So, so it just gives testament to the, to the power of its origin. Power, the power of its origin, exactly. I was just thinking about that, like, wow, like the potency that we have to, to love God is beyond what we can conceive. And that's the wonderful thing. We learn to love God, and that distortion is neutralized, and the real love yeah. is manifest exactly. in our hearts. Because <clears throat> right now that's covered by the contaminated reflection of what that love really is. But then it all comes out in a beautiful way. Um, you said that the Lord comes to the material world to have Lila with his devotees, and that's why he fights with the demons. So it sort of sounded like you were saying the demons are devotees of the Lord. Some of them. 
Jayan Vijaya became Hiranyakashipu and Hiraksha. Ravana Kumbhakarna. Shishupal and Dantravaka. Big demons all. Big, big demons. Who hated Krishna and want to fight with him. They're actually devotees. They're the same two doorkeepers that we're reading about here. This is all leading up to... Were they devotees when they fought with the Lord or after? They were acting like demons. They're still the Lord's devotees, but they're acting like demons for the purpose of the Lord's lila. Can you, can you describe what the Ramabadi, what, what, why the Mayavadis and the Pendragas, what do they think? The Mayavadis think that there is no God, that we are God. So therefore they're offensive to the Lord because the Lord is God. Whereas the Brahmavadis just realize the um, the Lord's Brahman effulgence, his impersonal energy. They have realization of that. But that's all they know. But they are not offenders. Whereas the Mayavadis are devious and dastardly offenders who say, There is no God, I am God. So they want to replace God with themselves. That's offensive. God has no head, no hands, no legs, no name. Do away with God and replace him with moi. How nice. Are the devotees that are playing the part of demons, are they aware as they're fighting that they're really devotees or do they get like a yeah, they don't know. They think they're demons. Okay. They think, yeah, I'm a demon. Vishnu's my enemy. I'm going to kill Vishnu. They're really into it. It's not, you know, they like an actor playing a part, but it's not like an actor. You know, I'm really just Joe the actor. No, I am a demon. I'm going to kill Vishnu. He's my enemy. You dirty man. You killed my brother. I'm going to kill you. They're really into it. They're not faking it. This is not taken lightly. You cannot pay money to get this type of act. <laughs> and that is all within the purview of the Lord's yoga mind. Okay, we'll stop here. Thank you all very much. Shri Prabhupada.